Jesus said in Matthew 28 verse 19, Go therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Welcome to Go Teach All Nations, bringing you Christ's teachings through Australian and international speakers. And here is today's presenter, Josh Gonzalez. It's a very challenging message to preach. And it's because of the content of what's in this message and what I as a pastor am supposed to share with you. One of the most difficult experiences that we encounter as, a, as pastors is ministering to people that are going through very difficult experiences in their life. And not only that, but also telling them to hang in there, telling them to trust God and telling them that everything is going to be okay. You know, it's very easy to say things when you are not the person that's going through the situation. And so when we come to a situation like that, where as a pastor, one has to share and encourage you to hang on, to trust God, and to believe that everything is going to be okay and that He's going to work it out, it's challenging sometimes. And this morning, God has put a message like that on my heart because there have been certain experiences that I have um, gone through these last few weeks, month, say, with certain members that I minister to and, and people that God has entrusted uh, to me to minister to, where we have gone through some things that has brought out some really, I believe, encouraging and important lessons for us that I wish to share with you this morning. So before we open up the Bible, I'm just going to invite you to bow your heads with me and we'll have one more word of prayer. Lord, as we open your word, we just simply ask, Father, guide us, be with us, speak to us, Lord. Lord, do not let us leave church this morning the same way we have come. And so we hand this over to you, Lord. Give me the words, Father. In your name, I ask. Amen. I'm going to have the verses on the screen here for you, but I encourage you to open up your Bibles. We're going to be in the book of Acts chapter 20. And I'm going to be sharing one of the most challenging things that the Apostle Paul has ever said. And I say said because he didn't actually write this. We believe it was Luke who wrote the book of Acts and therefore he writes what he heard Paul say. And one of the things that Paul says here in Acts 20 is for me personally extremely challenging. It might be very challenging for you, but I believe that there is a very encouraging lesson for us to learn in what he says here in Acts 20. We start at verse 13. And one of the things we find is that Paul, from the moment he got into ministry, things were difficult for him. Paul was one of those people that God put a calling on his life to minister, but his experience in ministry was very difficult. He encountered many problems. He encountered many hardships. He encountered many trials. Yet I believe that as difficult as the experience was for Paul, I believe that for him personally, it was also the most rewarding. And that's one of the things that I share sometimes with people when I'm being honest. I say, ministry is the most difficult thing I have ever done in my life. But at the same time, I can say with all honesty that it is also the most rewarding. And I wouldn't want to change it for anything else. But here we have Paul, after having gone through already an array of issues, the Bible says, and we pick up in verse 13, Then we went ahead to the ship, and this is Luke writing, Then we went ahead to the ship and sailed to Asos. 
there intending to take Paul on board. For so he had given orders, intending himself to go on foot. And when he met us at Asos, we took him on board and came to Mytilene. We sailed from there and the next day came opposite of Chios. The following day we arrived at Samos and stayed at Tregilium. The next day we went to Miletus. These guys traveled a lot, as we can see. For Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus so that he would not have to spend time in Asia, for he was hurrying to be at Jerusalem, if possible, on the day of Pentecost. From Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called for the elders of the church. And when they had come to him, he said to them, You know from the first day that I came to Asia, in what manner I always lived among you. Serving the Lord with all humility, with many tears and trials, which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews. How I kept back nothing that was helpful, but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly and from house to house. So here we see Paul, he's traveling. He's been going to many different places and he's ministering and he's preaching the gospel and he's helping build the kingdom of God on earth. Paul wants to get to Jerusalem. Because at Jerusalem, the day of Pentecost, um, celebrations are coming and he wants to get there. But Paul needs to have a conversation with the leaders of the church in Ephesus. He specifically bypasses going to Ephesus because one of the things that we think maybe also is the fact that Paul understands and knows, as a pastor knows in his experience, that sometimes when you go to certain places, you end up encountering issues that as a minister, you have to minister to. And because he was in a rush to get to Jerusalem, he didn't go through to Ephesus, but he called for the leaders to come and meet him. And he had something important to say to them. And we see that he starts off by telling them that, look, you guys know, you guys understand from the first day that I came, what kind of a person that I am, in what way I lived among you guys, the way that I ministered, how I served with all humility, how even through many tears and trials and things that happened to me by the plotting of our own brothers and sisters, how I kept back nothing that was helpful. I proclaimed to you the truth as God had revealed it to me. I taught publicly from house to house. I did everything that I could to be faithful to God's calling on my life. You guys know that, right? He's, he's appealing to them. to he, he wants to say something to them, but first he's saying, you, you guys know me, right? You know what kind of a person that I am. And then he goes on to say this, testifying to Jews and also to Greeks, repentance towards God and faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. And see now, he says, now I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city saying that chains and tribulations await me. This is so challenging to me, what he's saying right now. Because one, he says, listen, I need to let you know something. That the Holy Spirit has revealed to me. The Holy Spirit has made it clear to me that his will, God's will for me right now is to go to Jerusalem. But the Holy Spirit has revealed so clearly to me what awaits me when I go there. Nothing but trials and tribulations, chains, imprisonment, suffering. This is what the Holy Spirit had revealed to Paul was waiting for him in what God was telling him he wanted to do in how he wanted him to move forward with his life and ministry. Now, before we move forward, let's just ponder on that thought for a second. 
How would you feel in Paul's situation? You're a new believer. Paul is a new Christian, in a sense, at this time. He hasn't been in ministry that long as a Christian. He's been in ministry for a long time as a Pharisee, you know, when he was a Pharisaical Jew. But now he's a Christian and he's a believer in Christ. And he's a new believer. He's a new convert to the gospel. God has put clearly on his heart that he is to be not just, you know, the kind of Christian that goes and warms up the the temple seat on the Sabbath. God has called him to something greater. He is to share the truth. He is to build his kingdom. But as God is revealing his plan and his will for Paul, he says to Paul, listen, Paul, I need you to understand. I have a special and important job for you to do. But this job, this role, this responsibility that I'm entrusting you with comes with much suffering and much hardship. How would you feel as Paul in moving forward? Not an easy decision, is it? Now, especially if you have a family, you have children that you need to look after and you want to support them and make sure that they're okay. The last thing you want to do as a parent is put them in a situation that you know is going to bring pain, suffering or hardship. Just think as a Christian. And it's important for us to think this because guys, the reality is, brothers and sisters, that we live in a world where there are so many mixed messages about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. You go to certain churches and they make you think that you, by giving your heart to Jesus and by accepting the Lord and choosing to follow Him, that now everything is going to go good for you. That you are going to have more money than you've ever had before. That it's not going to be hard, things are going to be easy. God's going to bless you financially. God's going to give you the job that you always wanted. God's going to fix the problems that you've always... We have... In some parts of the Christian world, this understanding that being a follower of God is an easy task. And here we have a very different view of what being a Christian is for one person, the Apostle Paul. What being a follower of Christ means for one person. For Paul, it means difficulty, it means pain, it means suffering. So what does Paul do? You see, the title of the sermon today is Why We Cannot Be Moved Now. Because Paul, after he explains what the Holy Spirit has revealed to him, is definitely going to happen. He turns around and he says this, But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. So Paul turns around and he says, look, God has made it abundantly clear to me what's waiting for me. The trials, the hardships, the chains, the things that are coming. God has made that clear to me. But then he turns around and he says, but none of these things move me. In other words, he says, I'm not going to allow even what God has revealed to me that's going to happen to me. I'm not going to allow these things to move me. I'm not going to allow them to shake me. I'm not going to allow them to put me off the path that God has put me on in this life and in my ministry. I'm not going to allow these things to, to shake me around because if I do, he says, I won't be able to finish my race with joy. 
He says, I won't be able to finish the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify of his goodness and his grace. If I allow what I know is coming to me to move me, I'm not going to finish the race. Paul understands that this earth is not our home. Paul understands that God has prepared something greater for us. Paul understands that life on this earth is something so short. And he understands that he is not to get caught up with what may happen in this life because he is thinking not of his earthly home and his earthly future, but he's thinking of his heavenly home and his heavenly future. And he says, I want to get there. But if I allow these things to move me, I won't get there. I won't finish my race with joy. I won't be able to be faithful to the ministry that God has entrusted to me. And why is this challenging and important for us, brothers and sisters? Is because every single one of us here have won a race to finish. Amen? And every single one of us here have a ministry that's been entrusted to us by our Lord. To reveal to the world about His goodness and His grace. And if we allow the things of this life to move us, we are not going to be able to finish that race. And we are not going to be able to be faithful to the ministry that God has given us. Now, that's why I mentioned at the start the challenge of this message. Because it's very easy for me to sit up here and say these things when I don't know what you're going through in your personal life. When I don't understand the trials and the hardships, when I cannot relate to the suffering and pain that you may be feeling as an individual. But I have to share this with you because no matter what it is that you're going through, there are things that I have personally experienced in my life. The pain and the suffering and the hardship that I've gone through, even though it may be very different to what you may be going through, has taught me that God is always and still in control. It has taught me that even if I don't understand what's happening in my life, I am to trust God because God has a plan, because God knows what the future brings, because ultimately the Bible tells me that God loves me and that God cares for me and that God will never abandon me. No matter what I go through. And you see, it's important for us to... To try to get into this mindset, we need to pray to God to help us to be like Paul. Because Paul, knowing what was coming, he said, I'm not going to let this move me. I have a race to finish. And I have a ministry to deliver. It got so intense that in the next chapter in the book of Acts 21, when he had revealed this to the apostles, the apostles, and this is, where it, this is a, a theme for another time, for another sermon. Because the apostles start telling Paul, don't go. Don't go to Jerusalem. And then they say to him that they've been moved by the Spirit to tell him not to go. And so that gets confusing because on one hand you have Paul saying the Spirit has told me to go and this is what's coming. And then in the next chapter the apostles are saying don't go. The Spirit is saying don't go. And so is the Holy Spirit contradicting itself? Or is it maybe that the apostles are feeling that in their Christianity, in, in, in their relationship with God, they feel that it is their duty to say to Paul, hey Paul, don't go because they don't want Paul to suffer. Because they don't want Paul to go through something difficult. 
And it's not that the Holy Spirit is contradicting itself, but sometimes, you know, think about this. How many times, and, and you would know this, especially in a church that's been around for a long time. How many times have you had a board meeting where you have one brother who's saying something and another brother who's saying something to contradict that, and both of them feel like they're being led by the Holy Spirit? Right? It's a common thing that we go through. But I don't want to focus on that right now. As I said, that's a theme for another time. I want to focus on, on Paul's response. And the Bible says here in verse 12 to 4 of Acts 21, Now when they heard these things, both we and those from the place pleaded with him not to go up to Jerusalem. Don't go, Paul. We don't want you to suffer, man. Don't go. Then Paul answered, What do you mean by weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. So when he would not be persuaded, they write, we ceased saying the will of the Lord be done. We can't convince this guy. There's nothing we can do to stop him because he has made a decision in his heart that he is not going to allow anything to move him from what God has called him to do. He is not going to allow no one to stop him from what God has called him to do. He's not going to allow anything to get him off the path that has been set for him by God. Even, he says, I am willing to die if necessary. Now this is challenging. Because let's be honest. How many of us can really say with the conviction of Paul what Paul just said? I'm willing, even if they kill me, even if they torture me, even if they kill my loved ones, I'm willing to go and do God's will. How many of us can honestly say that's where we're at right now? And it's important, guys, because this is the thing. That if we don't have and we have not made that commitment and decision in our hearts, we are not going to be able to finish our race with joy. And we are not going to be able... To finish the ministry that God has given us. And that's something each and every one of us want to do. Amen? We want to finish our race. We want to be faithful to the ministry that's been entrusted to us. Paul was so clear of God's word and will for his life. That he was willing. That he was committed to not let anything stop that from happening. Why we cannot be moved now. I want to just focus on two reasons as to why we need to understand the lesson that's found here in what Paul is saying and his example as a, as a follower of Christ. The first is to finish our ministry. The, God, uh, the work that God has entrusted us with. You know, too many times we are moved even by the little things. Are we not? Now, what Paul was up against was massive. He was up against a threat on his own life. Yet we as children of God are sometimes moved even by the little things. Things don't turn out the way we wanted them to turn out. I didn't get the office that I was after in church this year. The way they're running the program, I don't like it. The way things are happening in the church right now, it's not convenient for me. Or my friends laugh at me because I want to go to church on Sabbath. Or 
being a follower of Christ where I keep the Sabbath every day, it's going to affect my career and the possibility of me moving up in the company. Or the fact that I'm young and I want to live my life. I don't want to commit right now so much to God. So there are so many things that these are really, at the end of the day, little things that we as Christians allow to move us. And because we allow these things to move us, we are unable to be faithful to the ministry that God has entrusted us. Then we have the big things. Relationships don't work out. We lose loved ones. We go through suffering, pain, and loss. Paul said, no matter what happens, no matter what comes my way, no matter what this life throws at me, I'm not going to let it move me. And I'm challenged by this because I want to be honest with myself and I want to be honest with God and I want to say, God, am I really there? Am I really where Paul is? Where Paul was? Do I have that conviction and that commitment in my heart? Because understand this, that these are not decisions that we really make when the trial comes. These are decisions that we have to already have made in our hearts before the trial comes. Because if we haven't already made this decision and this commitment in our hearts, when the trial comes, for some of us, it's going to be more than enough to move us, to shake us, to cause us to fall off the path. I minister to people that have left the church. And a lot of the reason sometimes that people leave church is because of little things. I started dating someone and he... he wasn't you know too keen on me going to church and so I just kind of stopped going and then all of a sudden I, I just stopped going all my friends they like to go out on Friday nights you know at work and I, I kind of wanted to get in with that crowd and so I, I started doing that and then just there's so many different things that cause us to be moved I was going to the church and I, I just didn't like the way that the the music you know the, the kind of music that were playing so uh, I didn't like this or I didn't like that. And, and sometimes the little things is enough to move us. Why is this important, guys? Why is this important? Because the Bible tells us that there is a time of trouble coming to this world like we have never seen before. This is where I'm getting at with this message. Because I was ministering to a, a, a couple of, of individuals that I, I ministered to. And they were both going through different situations. That were causing them in their heart to be moved. I'm going to share that with you in a moment. But first I want to share a couple of things. In 1 Corinthians 10.13, the Bible tells us that no temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Isn't this a challenging verse? How many of us, let's be honest, how many of us have been in a situation where we think we, we, we might find it a little bit hard to believe this verse? I know I have. I've been in situations where I've been wrestling with God. Lord, why is this happening? I don't know if I can handle this. I don't know if I can get through this. I don't know if I can overcome this. 
And many of us have been in a situation like that. But the Bible, when it tells us something, we need to trust it because God is not a liar. And God knows us and God understands us. And if the Bible says that God will not take us to a point that we are not able to handle, we need to understand that no matter what situation we may be facing, as hopeless as it may seem, because he has said there's a way out, there is a way out. And that way out always comes through Jesus Christ. When he says, I am the way, the truth and the life, when he says the way, it's not just the way to the Father, it's also the way to get through life. It's the way to overcome. It's the way to live a victorious life. It's the way to have peace. It's the way to have joy. That is only found within Jesus. The problem that we have is that when we come across situations, and I'm talking from experience now, I'm not pointing any fingers, the finger's been pointed right back at me. The issue that we have as Christians sometimes is that when we come upon trial and hardship, instead of the first thing that we should do, which is run to God and ask God for help, we become overcome by the circumstances of our trials and hardships. And like Peter, when he was walking on water, we take our eyes off Jesus and we start to sink. And that's when anxiety comes in. That's when stress comes in. That's when fear comes in. So the first thing that I wanted to point out to us this morning was that the, why we need to have that, that decision and commitment like Paul to not allow anything to move us is one, because God has given us a race to finish and he has given us a ministry. And we will not be able to finish either one of those. If we allow what this life can throw at us to move us. But I want to focus on this right now because this is where I want to focus the message on this morning. Is why God allows us at times to go through certain things. Have you ever been in a situation where you're going through something so difficult that you might ask yourself, why are you letting this happen to me, Lord? When things go completely upside down as to how you had planned or thought that they would be and you ask and you plead yourself, you, you plead with God and you ask him, you say, God, why are you allowing this to happen to me? There's something that I want to share with you and, and, and all of you here are probably very familiar with this quote. And if you're not, it's a great quote to read for the first time. But there's a quote found in Councils for the Church, page 359. Where Ellen White says, In reviewing our past history, having traveled over every step of advance to our present standing, I can say, praise God. As I see what the Lord has wrought, I am filled with astonishment and with confidence in Christ as leader. We have nothing to fear for the future except as we shall forget the way the Lord has led us and his teaching in our past history. This is one of my favorite quotes from the spirit of prophecy. And I think that this quote is so relevant now more than ever before. Because the world is changing very rapidly. The world is changing at a pace like we had, had not anticipated. We do not live in the same world that we lived in this time last year. We do not live in the same world that we lived in this time five years ago. The world is a very different place. And it's changing right before our eyes. 
and according to the Bible and according to prophecy, it's not going to get better. And we are told, as it says here in Matthew 24, 21, for then there will be great tribulation such as has not been seen since the beginning of the world until this time. No, nor ever shall be. The Bible speaks about and it's mentioned in the book of Jeremiah chapter 30 as the time of Jacob's trouble. It's a time of trouble as mentioned in the book of Daniel uh, chapter 12 and verse 1. A time of trouble such as this world has never seen before. That's what's coming guys. And now one of the things that I started to think about is I was dealing uh, in in my ministry. I was ministering to a, a couple of members that were going through some trials. One of them was going through a trial where they had given their life to Christ. They had come into the church. They had been baptized and everything is going great in their spiritual walk with God. But this person worked in the hospitality industry, which required them to work Friday night and Saturday as well. And they made a decision in their heart and they said, I don't want to work on the Sabbath anymore. So they quit their job. And we said, praise the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. They've been convicted. They want to keep the Sabbath. So as a church, we gathered around and we prayed for this individual. We know God's going to give you a good job. It's coming. It's around the corner. God has something in store for you. God has something great planned. God is faithful to those who are faithful to him. Amen. That's what we believe. A month went by. No job. Two months went by. A couple of job offers came in. Had to work on a Sabbath. Really good jobs, paying, well-paying jobs, gave them up. No, 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 I'm going to trust God. Three months went by. Four months went by. Six months went by. No job. Now, this person happens to be on JobKeeper, and that JobKeeper is about to run out in March. Just a few weeks left. A couple of weeks ago, this person started to really stress out. To the point where... I could notice there was something wrong. And when I went to speak to them, they said, I'm I'm really discouraged. What's going on? We've been praying for so long for me to get the right job. I've knocked back about 10 jobs now that paid so well. And God hasn't given me the job that I was after, which is simply a job to not have to work on the Sabbath. And to top it off, he went and spoke to somebody who's not a member of the church, but has started coming to the church and hasn't completely got a a proper understanding and and idea about the Sabbath. And that person said to that other person, hey, hey, it's all right. God understands if you need to pay your bills. God understands that you need to pay your rent. It's okay if you work on the Sabbath. And so then he comes to me as a pastor what do I do? This is how I'm feeling. This is what this person's told me, but it just didn't, didn't seem right what they said. And, and so then I'm forced to do the pastor thing now when I'm not the one who's going to get kicked out of my apartment. I'm not the one who has no money in the bank now. I'm not the one who doesn't know how I'm going to get by in the future. The only thing I am is the one who knows that I have a faithful God. And so I said to him, I said, brother, How long till your job keeper runs out? He says, about another five weeks. I said, that's more than enough time for God to do a miracle. You still have time. I said, I would understand if we were in a situation where 
Two days from now, it runs out. You still don't have a job. You're about to get kicked out of your apartment. Things are going pear-shaped. You're in, in a hole that you can't get out of. I understand having a conversation like this at that moment. But right now, God still has plenty of time to come through. Trust God. Now, it's a difficult thing for a pastor to say. If you don't believe in your heart 100% that God can and will come through. Long story short, not even two days later, job offer came in. He's working now, has the Sabbath off, loves his job, very happy. And one of the things I said to him was, you cannot afford to be moved right now. Because if you allow this thing to move you, and then you make a decision that goes against your conscience, goes against your heart, and goes against what you know is God's will and His word for your life, that's going to haunt you for the rest of your days that you did that. Trust God. Don't allow yourself to be moved by what's happening in your life. I don't have time to share, but there was another situation that was very similar to that one. Same outcome as well. But this person who was such a devout person, such a person of prayer, someone who leads our prayer ministry in, in one of our other churches was going through a similar situation of praying and praying and praying and praying with no answer. I'm starting to get discouraged now. Things aren't going the way I had hoped they would. I thought God was, hang in there. Don't allow this to move you. And so one of the things that I started to think about was, what if God allowed us to go through these experiences in order to strengthen us and build us up so that when stronger things come in the future, we are going to have something to hold on to to get us through. Because when we're told in the spirit of prophecy that we have nothing to fear for the future except we forget what God has done for us in the past, that signifies and implies that there needs to be something in our life to hold on to. Amen? There needs to be something in our life that we can look back on and say, hey, I remember what I went through. I remember how God wasn't answering or how I thought he was being quiet. I remember how things weren't going my way. I remember when it looked like everything was hopeless and how God did a miracle in my life. How God got me through. How God came through for me. I remember that. So if God was able to do that for me then, I know God's going to do that for me now. I remember once a pastor said something, and this was when I was just starting off fresh Christian. He said something so challenging to me. He said, next time you go through a trial, instead of doing the natural thing, which is, why is this happening to me? And, you know, all of this kind of feeling sorry for yourself. Imagine instead of doing that, we turned around and we simply said, God, what are you trying to teach me through this experience? What is it that you want me to learn? How is it that you're trying to grow me here? How is it that you're trying to strengthen me? 
And if we looked at our trials and our hardships as God's way of molding us, shaping us and refining us, then like Paul, we would be able to look at the future and say, you know what, no matter what happens, no matter what comes my way, I'm not going to let anything move me because ultimately I know that God is in control of my life. He knows what is happening. He knows why it's happening. More than that, he knows how I'm going to get through it. He knows and I'm going to trust him. So I started thinking about this thing and I think I was thinking, I want to find something in the Bible, something in the Bible in the spirit of prophecy that can help me connect the dots here. Because I'm starting to think maybe the reason why God lets things happen to us sometimes and lets us go through things is in order to give us something to hold on to for what is to come. Because I believe with all my heart that the only ones that are going to make it through what's coming on this earth are those that have something to hold on to in faith. So now that we understand that, what an amazingly different way to view our trials and our hardships. Trusting that God knows, He understands why. And remembering that He promises us, He's never going to allow us to go through something that we are not able to handle. He says there's always a way out. Do you know why He says there's always a way out? Because when He says there's always a way out, He says it knowing, because I'm always with you. I'm always there. I'm always by your side. Whatever you're going through, all you need to do is call on me. I'll get you through. Let me finish with this. I I went to Deuteronomy. And I looked at what Deuteronomy was speaking about Israel. And I found something incredible. Deuteronomy 8, 1 to 10. Every commandment which I command you today, you must be careful to observe that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers. And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and test you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. As I started reading this, I was amazed because I started thinking, all right, you know, we are told that it wasn't a 40 year journey from where they were to where they needed to get to in the promised land. We are told it was much shorter than that. In fact, significantly shorter than that. Why did it take Israel 40 years to get to the promised land, to get to the land of Canaan? It took them 40 years. And as I'm reading this, I'm realizing that God is telling them, look, I have allowed you to go through this for one so that you can remember how I have led you this whole way. So no matter what happens in the future, you have something to look back on. But two, he says to humble you and test you to know what was in your heart whether you would keep his commandments or not. So he humbled you and allowed you to hunger and fed you with manna which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Your garments did not wear out on you, nor did your foot swell these 40 years. So what the Bible is telling us here is that God allowed Israel to go through the hunger, to go through the tiredness, to go through the pain and the suffering that it was to walk the wilderness for 40 years, but he did it because he was trying to grow Israel he was doing a work through them you should know in your heart that as a man chastens his son so the Lord God chastens you therefore you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God to walk in his way and to fear him that blew my mind 
I was like, all right, I, I, get, I, get, I get it now. I get now how even though like, and I don't like it. I'm going to tell you, I don't like it. I don't like difficulties. I don't like hardships. I don't like trials. Anybody here like those things? If you do, might need to have a talk with you after because it's not, it's not normal for someone to like that. We do everything we can as humans to avoid those things, right? So we don't like them. But now I understand that God sometimes allows things to happen to me in order to strengthen me, in order to grow me. But now more than anything, I understand sometimes he does it in order to give me something so that when the time of trouble comes in the future, I have something strong. I have an anchor to hold on to. And that's what God's going to use to get me through. And so now I understand what Paul says when they talk about rejoicing in trials. I understand that now. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs that flow out of valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey, a land which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper. When you have eaten and are full, then you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. You see, God was preparing Israel for the promised land. But part of the preparation for Israel to be able to get to the promised land was the difficulty, the trial, and the hardship that the wilderness brought upon them. It was God's way of strengthening them. It was God's way of molding them. It was God's way of refining them. And it was God's way of preparing them for what was to come. And so I read this and then I said, surely there has to be a connection. Because aren't we as Christians also waiting to enter the promised land? God has promised heaven to us. God has promised eternal life. And then I found this quote, and I'm going to finish with this. From Eternity Past, page 202. God would have his people in these days review the trials through which ancient Israel passed, that they may be instructed in their preparation for the heavenly Canaan. God was preparing Israel for the earthly Canaan. He's preparing us now for the heavenly Canaan. Many look back to the Israelites and marvel at their unbelief, feeling that they themselves would not have been so ungrateful. But when their faith is tested, even by little trials, they manifest no more faith or patience than did ancient Israel. We allow the little things sometimes to move us. And it's crazy, you know, I've been there many times where I've looked at these stories and I've looked at the things that Israel did and I remember I would have this immediate reaction to like, what's wrong with these people? God just delivered them from Egypt. He just opened up the sea. He just fed them manna from the sky. He protected them with the cloud. And, 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 and now Moses takes a, a few more days and they want it. And what are they doing with that golden calf? What's wrong with these people? Haven't we ever looked at them sometimes like that? And then shortly after that, we get hit with the realization, hey, you know what? I'm just like them though. Because there are times in my life where I allow little things to move me. And Ellen White tells us this is what our problem is sometimes. When our faith is tested, even by little trials, we end up acting in the same way as Israel did. They murmur at the process by which God has chosen to purify them. Though their present needs are supplied, many are in constant anxiety, lest poverty come upon them and their children be left to suffer. 
Obstacles, instead of leading them to seek help from God, separate them from Him because they awaken unrest and repining. We cannot allow anything to move us, especially now. We are so close, brothers and sisters. We are almost at the promised land. Jesus is coming back soon. The world is screaming at us that Christ is soon to come back. We see the signs everywhere. And now as we are so close, Satan is also upping his game. And he's doing everything he can. And he doesn't need you to become a pagan. He doesn't need you to start worshipping idols. He doesn't need you to go out into the world. All he needs you to do sometimes is to be moved just even a little bit off the path that God has put you on. And he knows that just by you moving and allowing yourself to be moved, it can result in you not finishing the race that God has set before you and not finishing the ministry that he has given you. Remember we mentioned the time of Jacob's trouble and that's what's coming upon the world now. Psalm 46 says this, God is our refuge and strength. And this is what I want to finish with because God wants us to know this no matter what it is that we're going through. And I get it. I get it. I know it's, it's easy for me to stand up here and say, hey, just trust God. Hey, hey, everything will be all right when you're going through something that I have no idea what you're going through. I understand that. But all I can share with you is not just my experience, but the word of God, because I believe with all my heart that God's word is truer and that it's sure. And he says this, it says this, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling. If we understand, like I believe Paul understood, that God was with him, that everywhere he went, God was with him, that God protected him, strengthened him, and gave him what he needed to, to get through whatever he had to go through. That is what allowed Paul to make that decision in his heart. Nothing's going to move me. No matter what comes my way, nothing's going to move me. The only way we can get there, brothers and sisters, is if we believe this. I want to ask you this morning, do you believe that God is your refuge and strength? Do you believe that he is a very present help in trouble? Do you believe that even though the earth be removed and the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea and everything around you crumbles, that God is there and because he's there, you should not be afraid. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. In the time of Jacob's trouble that's coming, the very same God of Jacob is going to be our refuge. He's going to be with us and he's going to get us through. But to prepare us for that, he may need to allow us to go through some things. But when he does that, we need to trust God that he has a plan and he is out of his love and mercy giving us something which we can hold on to. Which will get us through what's coming. Amen. I want to ask everybody to please bow your heads with me and we're going to finish with a word of prayer. And as we pray, I just want to invite you where you are in your seat as every head is bowed and every eye is closed. I just want to invite you that if you with me this morning want to make the decision in your heart to simply say, God, I want to be unmoved like Paul was. Lord, I want to have that faith and trust in you, knowing what your word says to me. 
about how you are with me, how you are my refuge, you are my strength, and you are my help. And I want to believe this with my heart so much that no matter what comes to me in this life, I will not be moved. I want to make it. I want to finish my race, Lord. I want to be faithful to the ministry. But I know that in order to do that, I cannot be moved. And and Lord, I'm going to be honest with you even, Lord. Sometimes I know in my heart I'm easily moved. If you want to make that, that, that decision to simply say, Lord, I want to be unmoved like Paul. Make me unmoved like Paul so that I can finish my race and that I can finish my ministry. I just invite you to raise your hand with me and say, Lord, help me today. And at the same time, Lord, whatever it is I may be going through, help me to understand that you are still in control. Because you tell me in your word that you love and you trust, uh, that you love and you care for me. And I need to trust you even though I don't understand why this is happening. Lord, I know you're giving me something to hold on to for what's to come. And Lord, now instead of complaining about it, I want to thank you, Lord. And I want to ask you to make me faithful. Lord, you see the hands that are raised this morning. The simple fact that we raised our hand is just our way of saying, God, we need you. Please, Lord, come into our hearts. Change us. Make us more like Christ. Help us to be faithful, Father. Spirituality in the way you call us to be spiritual is an unnatural thing for us. This is why we need you, Lord, to come into our hearts. To do in us what we cannot do for ourselves. Father, help us, Lord. Help us to be able to rejoice in trials and hardships, knowing that you are in control, that you have a plan, and that you are going to get us through. This is our prayer in your name. Amen. This message was made available by the Watara Seventh-day Adventist Church. For more resources like this, visit waitarachurch.org.au. Listen to Marlita Fong now as she sings Somebody Bigger from her CD, Pray On.
Let's listen to Bill Ackland as he reads from his book, Talking with God. The prayer now is entitled, Defining Moments. And there's a brief text I have to share with you to go with this prayer. It is from Luke 23:46. Father, I commit my spirit into your hands. And as an introductory thought, no one who has read the Bible can plead ignorance in making wrong choices in the major decisions of life. The Bible is replete with the record of those who, on the one hand, made right decisions, and on the other hand, of those who chose foolishly. So we must choose wisely if we want to be where we would like to be at the end of this earthly journey. Let us pray. Today, dear Father, the preacher spoke of defining moments, crisis points in the lives of people. Joseph, seemingly favoured by his father, a boy of dreams, was despised by his brothers and by them mistreated, then sold as a slave. Right there on an Ishmaelite camel, his father's family tents, by now fading into the distant homeland hills, with no hope but his trust in you, determined to be your true son, come what may. Tied to his jerking camel saddle, with no way of escape, Joseph faced the defining moment of his life and empowered by your defined strength, was destined to be a human saviour for a nation and for his own brothers, those who had purposely placed him there. Rehoboam, many centuries later, kingship thrust upon him when his father Solomon died, was challenged by Jeroboam and all Israel to lighten the heavy burdens Solomon had placed upon them. In a moment of wisdom, or politics, Rehoboam sought counsel from two disparate groups, the elders and his young peers. Here was his defining moment that would seal his own and the nation's fate. His foolish choice to follow the counsel of young men was surely a defining moment as it split the nation, God's people, in two. Our own precious Saviour, it retreated to Gethsemane to throw himself upon your mercy, hoping in his humanity, to avoid the bruising and crushing of the cross. This, the greatest defining moment for him and the world, condensed the fate of all humanity into a few moments. Praise God, he pledged himself to selflessly be our saviour, determining to shed his blood for us. That same night, Father, Roman Governor Pilate came to his defining moment when he could have freed your innocent son, but in a cowardly act, he turned away from the embodiment of truth, giving in to those over whom he was supposed to rule. He discarded an eternity with you for the short-term favour of fools. Down through the centuries and countless defining moments later, Martin Luther King Jr. came to his time when, in an eloquent oration, he told the people of his dream, his dream for his people and for all people. Though cut down by an assassin less than five years later, this brave son of yours will ever be remembered for bringing hope and freedom to millions. So, dear Lord, many life-changing lessons can be learned 
by pondering upon the defining moments of those who have gone before us. Grant us, as we face our very own defining moments, when these come to us, to be sure to choose for you and for the blessing of others. We can do this in your strength, dear Father, and it is in your name I pray. Amen. To obtain your copy of Talking With God, written by Bill Ackland, give us a call in Australia on 02-4973-3456 or send an email to radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. It's been a pleasure bringing you this program here on 3ABN Australia Radio.